until now, the Nefesh HaChaim had spoken to us about the tremendous advantage and the tremendous reward which comes from learning Torah. And, of course, that's meant to inspire us, it's meant to encourage us to learn as a way to also be zaykhah to the tremendous chus and the tremendous benefits that learning Torah brings. We have to parak chafadav. Sorry, we have to parak chafes. And now we're going to see the second part of the coin. And that is, he's going to discuss the tremendous loss it is for a person who doesn't learn Torah, the tremendous damage he causes. And the point of it, just like we're meant to be inspired to learn more uh, by seeing the advantage of learning Torah. So similarly, if a person can see, uh, so to speak, the loss that they suffer from not learning Torah, that can also inspire a person not to fall into that category, not to be guilty of the, of the sin of such severity. And that's also therefore something we can learn from in a positive sense of what we can gain from seeing how much a person loses out by losing the opportunity or failing to use the opportunity to learn Torah. So it says, If you're learning Torah, no, in a weak way, not, not utilizing our strength, our ability, it causes the aura elyon, which we spoke about, that is the light which comes from the Torah, which gives life to everything. So we cause it to become diminished, to become minimized. And that, therefore, in every single sense, in every single level, there's going to be a certain lack of life, a certain lack of Kedusha, based on that level. And the second point of a Mistorim Tivke Nafshi Yisbarach In a hidden place, Hashem cries, as it were, The three people who Hashem cries about, and one of them is the Choshev Chad Minhoin, the one which is mentioned is Amisha Afshalai Lasek Batayra, a person who is able to learn Torah and he doesn't do so. So that's tragic. And after Hashem cries about him. Rechein Amru, Hashem is another Gemara which says, Shloisha Demaisa Lalalama, the Gemara quotes a Pasuk, it says, Vadamaya Tidma Aini, Vitarid Aini Dima. A tear will tear in my eye and my eye will run with tears. And the Gemara says the one is referring to the first base of Mikdash, the other one to the second base of Mikdash, and the third one, the Gemara says, is talking about the goddess of Ka Yisrael, the Amrila, a second opinion is, Al Betel Torah. What causes the third tier is Betel Torah, and the Gemara says it's not really a contradiction. The Gemara says that the Ka Yisrael and goddess is an ongoing source of Betel Torah. And on that, the Gemara says, the Nefshachim says, It's uh, water to a child who causes his uh, father to cry every day. What's the concept he's explaining? For Indians, I say, who is Gabrus Adin, Bismarthus Ara Elion, Shemarach Magdalena by Lamas and Islam. And the concept of Hashem crying is a uh, causing the din to increase and being a might, minimizing the rachamim in Aylam Asalyana. Okay, what does it mean? What does it mean Hashem cries? 
what is the effect of Hashem crying? Why does our, our not learning Torah cause Hashem to cry? So let's start the, the study from the beginning and understand what the word Bechia, what the word crying means. The Maral, when he talks about it, says that the Sharish, the root of the word Bechia, is related to the word Navoich, Bacha, the Sharish, Beiskhof. Hey could be used as the word Bacha to cry, or Mavucha, which is confusion. Which is confusion. Uh, it says Navoichim Hein Vamidbar, they're wandering aimlessly, they're lost in the desert. There's a connection between the idea of crying and the idea of a lack of clarity. And that's why the morale says that when a person feels that lack of clarity, that lack of knowing what to do, so that brings to a feeling of bechia, a feeling of crying. And that might apply to a person. That might apply to a person. And we have a, we have a deeper way of seeing it by a person. When a person cries, two parts of his body are affected. The one is his voice. Crying comes with a certain a sound of crying. And crying affects a person's eyes. It causes tears to form in his eyes. And the question is, why are these the two areas in the body which the feeling of crying affects? It doesn't affect a person's ears. It doesn't affect a person's nose, for example, or any other part of the body. What's unique about crying that it affects the voice? And we talk about the kol bechia, and it affects the eyes. So let's talk about the bechia first. We said bechia is a sense of novich. It comes from the word confusion and clarity. And that feeling of not knowing what to do is what brings to the feeling of crying. And how that gets expressed in a person is by their voice. Because normally a person's voice is the way that they express their das, their opinion, their thoughts. And when a person is confused, he doesn't have a thought to express. And therefore the sound of crying is a sound of, a sound which is expressing an inability to express words, an inability to say, to express das. It's basically a sound of expressing, I don't have das, I don't know what to do. That would be by a person. Obviously, HaKadosh Baruch doesn't get confused. And it obviously wouldn't apply to him. So, when you're talking about the idea, and the Pasuk says that, that Hashem cries, and not only cries, but in a hidden place, what's that meant to mean? What does that refer to? The principle is like this. The Gemara asks a contradiction. The Gemara says, on the one hand, the Pasuk says, Oiz v'ched v'lafanav. That there's happiness and rejoicing where Hashem is. And on the other hand, there's another Pasuk. And the other Pasuk says, that we start with So is the, the atmosphere that by Hashem one of happiness and rejoicing or one of crying? And the Gemara says, like Hashem, it's not a contradiction. There's one, one of these applies to the outer room and one applies to the inner room. And the Gemara explains, in the outer room, in the outer chamber, then there's oiz v'chedva. There's happiness and rejoicing. But in the inner room, then there's crying. What does it mean? 
What does it mean Hashem has an inner room and an outer room? So we spoke about this once before the Nefesh HaChaim. Let's just remind ourselves of the principle. Where the Gemara says that HaKadosh Baruch is Yoshev Bechadri Chadorim, in the inside room. What does this inside room mean? That Hashem is residing in. What it means is that we see how Hashem Let's say, give the marshal again, then first. Let's say we're watching an army fight, a battle. So, one thing we can see is what's happening on the ground. We can see where the troops are deployed. We can see where they're firing against. We can see what they're, how they're advancing. That's visible. What can't be seen is what the strategy of the generals is. We can see what they're doing, but we don't know exactly what their plan is, how they intend to utilize their, their forces to achieve a victory, how they're trying to maneuver the, the, the war in a certain way. That's maybe discussed in secret in the headquarters of the army, what we call in the Khadri Khadarim, in the sealed rooms, in the inner chamber. That's where the plan is discussed. And therefore, even though we can see what they, what's impl- being implemented on the ground, it doesn't necessarily mean we can see the plan which is behind it. Okay. So the same thing applies to Hashem. We can see how Kodesh Baruch Hu is running the world. And we can see how Kodesh Baruch Hu makes things happen and makes the rainfall, makes the crops grow, and people can live and people can get married and have children and bring them up. We see a cycle which is happening. That's the outside room. That's what's revealed. That's why Hashem runs the world which we can see. But we know that the world isn't wandering aimlessly through time. We know that Kodesh Baruch Hu has a plan in mind and everything is being structured to bring to that plan. And that's the Khadri Khadarin. That's beneath the surface. We can see events taking place in the world which seem to us to be insignificant, inconsequential, and we don't see how this is all strategized, how this is all part of playing, so to speak, how Kodesh Baruch wants things to lead to and bring to the end point that Hashem wants it to achieve, the world to achieve. That happens in the inner room. Now, there were times where there was a clearer uh, understanding that we had of how that, in the, how that inner room was working, if you're going to call it that. There were times when it was clearer to see how the world was being brought to a certain point. For example, when there was the Besa Mikdash. So then there was a center there was a, a, a place in the world which was proclaiming Kfad Shemai. And the more that it was known and the more people realized it and noticed it and came to it, so the more that it proclaimed that message, we could see that. But when there was the Khurban, and when the Mesimish was destroyed, so there was a level of Bechia. A level of Bechia where in that hidden place, in that mystorium, in that sealed place which there was, there there was a Bechia. Why? What would that Bechia signify? It meant that when there was the Besamikdash, no longer. So now there wasn't that same clarity which was going to bring to the fulfillment of Hashem's plan. In place of that, there was Bechia. There was a certain crying, which means there was a certain lack of clarity. Not it doesn't mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't know how he's bringing to the plan. It means for us, 
would we perceive how Hashem is running the world, we don't see that same level that there was before. And therefore for us, we see, as it were, a lack of clarity. For us, we don't see how the world is bringing to that plan. But that's in Mishtarim. That applies to that hidden room that Hashem has. There, there's a, it's affected by that Pechir. There, it's affected by the Khurban, which causes there to be the lack of the clarity that there was beforehand. And therefore, the world runs the same way. But how the world is being used to bring to its plan is harder for us to see. When we start in Tefkanafshi. And it uses the word Nafshi. We always know the Nafish refers to the, the part of a spiritual world which connects to the physical world. And therefore, we talk as well about Akadish Baruch. So he's saying that that air element of connection to this, to this world, that we meant to see Kvachimayim in this world, that's where there's a Bechir. That's where there's a lack. That's where there's a, something missing, something unclear. That's what it means by Bechir. Now, the Nevesh Chaim tells us over here that when a person who is able to learn Torah doesn't learn Torah, so something Hashem cries about every day. Something Hashem cries about every day is Misha Efshel Lasek Torah Isaac. A person who's able to learn Torah and doesn't, that's the source of crying. And that needs to be understood. That needs to be understood why it's like that. And really, the Gemara, the Nefesh Chaim is only quoting one of the examples the Gemara gives of what Hashem cries about every day. The other case the Gemara gives of something Hashem cries about every day is a person who isn't able to learn Torah and learns Torah. And that's harder to understand in a way. If a person isn't able to learn Torah and he does, so why would that be something to cry about? And the answer is, we understand that it's not referring to somebody who isn't able to learn Torah because he has difficulty understanding. When we talk about someone who isn't able to learn Torah and learns Torah, we're talking about a person who Hashem doesn't want them to learn Torah. Are there such people? Yes. The Gemara says, To the Rosh Hashem says, Why are you spending your time learning my Torah? What Rosh are we talking about? That Hashem objects to learning Torah? Let's say, the people who are learning Torah to distort it. The people who are learning, looking, at, looking up references to try and disprove them. To try and poke fun at them. To try and make a mockery of things which Chazal say. That's how much People like that, Hashem doesn't want them to learn Torah. And if they do, it's something to cry about. Why? Because the way they learn is causing a chidol Hashem. It's not promoting, it's not bringing to a higher level of connection to Hashem. It's doing the opposite. It's doing the opposite. It's making less kvachimayim in the world. And that's what you call crying. And the same, in the same vein, we understand the next line in the Gemara. And that is the person that's able to learn Torah and doesn't. Because the person is able to learn Torah, like he said, that increases the kvachimayim in the world. And if that person misses those opportunities, he fails to maximize his opportunities to learn Torah, so something to cry about because because of him there's less of that culture in the world. 
there's more confusion. There's less clarity of the purpose of the world being fulfilled. And that's the first point he says. Crying. Crying is a source which, which Hashem, so to speak, expresses in the fact of people who are able to learn and don't learn is means that the Kvod the, Shemayim the, in the world is less clear. It's more hidden. So to speak, as people, it's harder for them to see that. And that's the first you said. And when the positive side we spoke about how learning Torah brings to uh, more error in the world, more revelation, so not learning Torah has the opposite effect. And in place of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, being mashpia more, giving more, so that does the opposite. In place of that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving less. That's what we call, that's what we call, that's what we call the, the lack of Kvod Shemayim. The Maral says in another place also, he says the difference between what's called a Tefech Seichek and a Tefech Atsev. We told that there were two different kinds of Tefech that we used in the two sizes, two measures, which we used in the base of Megdosh. A Tefech is really a hand's breadth. But a person can clench their fingers together and it will be smaller. Or a person can separate the fingers slightly and it will be wider. And the difference with their name is those two Tefachim are given. The one is called a Tefach Seichik. And the other one is called a Tefach Atsev. A happy Tefach, a sad Tefach. And the way that the morale explains it is when something is happy, it expands. Just like the nature of a person who is happy, so then he naturally wants to share that happiness with other people. A wedding, a simcha. A person is a chassan, he doesn't want to dance on his own. He wants there to be people who are going to share the simcha with him. Happiness brings to expansion. Whereas the other, the other, the other direction, and that is if a person is sad, and naturally they contract. They, so to speak, withdraw into themselves. They want less to be with other people. And the moral explains that you said as well. And that is, when there's an atmosphere of oiz v'chedva, of happiness by Hashem, it means He's giving more. He's mashpia more. There's more shefer in the world. And when it's not like that, if it's not like that, so when there's an element of uh, sadness, so it means Hashem gives less. So to speak, He brings, he brings the, the, the ar, the shefer that He gives, back towards Himself. And this is mashpia. And that's what we said, I mean, that the uh, elements of HaKadosh Baruch was expressing that, he is, that there's that Bechia, that crying, is that there's less Hashba. There's less which is being given. So when people learn less Torah, the result is going to be similar to the Qurban. There's less Hashba, there's less Or, there's less clarity, which means there's more crying. That's the one point. That's only the first, uh, the first uh, quote that the Nebuchadnezzar brought. The second quote he brings is also a Gemara Chagiga. And the Pasuk, the Pasuk which says, A tear will tear in my eye, and my eye will run with tears. 
And this the Gemara says that there's three times the Pasuk uses the word Tir. The first is the first verse of Mikdash, the second is for the second verse of Mikdash, and the third one is for Ptah Yisrael and Godus, and for the Bittal Torah that's caused. If we look, a close look at the Pasuk, will show us something fascinating. A close look at the Pasuk will show us that there's a big difference between the first and the two times that the word Dhamma is used, and the third time the word Dhamma is used. The first two times it's used in the context of a tear which forms inside the eye. But the moya tit ma'ini. A tear will tear inside my eye. The third time it's used, the tear is going to trickle down my cheek. It's going to flow from my eye. What's the difference between the expression of a tear in my eye or a tear which is falling, which is rolling down or running away from the eye? And the answer is, a tear in the eye is something which is a specific, uh, specific feeling which makes tear form. It's, it's a specific incident, a certain moment in time. When the tear is dripping, it's falling, so that's a constant thing. The tear isn't just there and glistens in the corner of the eye, it rolls down the cheek. It's a continuous tear. And that's how the Gemara explains the fossil. When you're talking about the Damaya Tidma'ani, the tear which forms in the eye, says the Gemara that's talking about the first Chorban Besamikdash and the second Chorban Besamikdash. Each one of those was an incident, a specific point which took place. But then the puzzle carries on and it says, My eye will drip tears and that's something ongoing. And that's why the Gemara says the third tier we've been referred to isn't a specific incident which happens, like the Khurban. It's an ongoing tier. It's an ongoing source of sadness. And what's that? That's either the Goddess of Kai Yisrael, which is an ongoing, 2,000 year long uh, episode of pain, or Bittal Torah. That's also ongoing. And it's also a steady tier, a constant source of sadness. And what does that mean? Where, 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 how is it ex- expressed by the tear? So we said the two parts to how crying, the two parts to how crying is, how crying is demonstrated. The one is through the voice, and the other one is through the, t- through the eyes. And Baral explains, as Shabbat said before, that if crying denotes beching, confusion. So a person doesn't have what to say, the person dies. But the tears which cloud a person's eyes also means the lack of being able to see clearly. Uh, which, uh, which leads to the Bechir. But there's another point as well. Why Dafka, the expression of crying is the tears in the eyes. Nebuch HaKhaim said two things are referred to by the crying. The one is that the hashbah, the chesed, and the ar, which Hashem wants to give, is limited, is minimized. The other one is it causes his kaprus adinim. It causes there to be more strength to the miras adin. The miras adin, which demands justice, is carried out, which, so to speak, looks to punish people who do wrong. So there's a certain hiskabras hadin, a certain increase in the kayak of the din, which is also referred to by crying. 
that's the crying of the eyes. Whereas the rachamim or the chesed, which is meant to be expressed, is the so to speak. That's really through speech. And when we come speaking, as a sound of crying, so that shows is less hashpa. The concept of the eyes refer to the din. The Kabbalah talks about the salat, the fact that the dinim, so to speak, the concept which comes from the eyes. But if we want to explain it more simply, uh, terms which we don't have to go into the field of Kabbalah to explain, we say it like this: the ability of the eyes can either look at something in a way which brings bracha, what we call an ayin taiva. Well, ability of eyes can look in a way which does the opposite. It brings punishment. Now is not the time to go into the topic, but there is such a thing called an eye in Harai as well. An eye which is focused on causing Ra. We find, for example, a number of times in the Gemara, when it talks about one of the Amaraim who was angered about somebody else's activities, so it says, Nasan boy Einav Venasa Gal he crossed his eyes on him, and that person died. He fell as a heap of bones. Which means there's a koyach in the eye which can cause punishment. When we talk about the Meres Adin, it's like the, like the expression of the Gemara, everything is the fear of us hadayanim, the fear of the dying sees. What the dying sees is a, is a so to speak, a determinant of how one looks at things with that koyach, with that ability of din, of judgment. And that's why there's a concept of, like the Pasuk says, that the words um, the Torah uses to look at something, scrutinize it, hashkifa, is often a term of din. One time the Torah uses it as a term of rachamim, but often it's used as a term of din, because it's the ability to look at something in the, in the form of, so to speak, what does it deserve? That that can bring a certain kayak of din. And when the world isn't deserving, and it's looked at through the lens, through the eyes of din, that brings a punishment. That's expressed by the demo, by the tear in the eye. Why? What's the what's the nature of what's the nature of a tear? Why does it come from the eye? The answer is the nature of a tear is a symbol of something which should have been a hashpah, something which was given from the eye, which was the Instead, it's something which that is a, it's a symbol of a hashpah from the eye, which is to punish. How? We will summarize that something which is, so to speak, instead of being transferred, remains in the eye, or even falls from the eye, but doesn't transfer to wherever the eye is seen. That's one level. And therefore, when the best minister was destroyed, so now it was a certain din, a certain level of punishment, that Hashem felt there's no choice but to destroy the best amigdash, and it causes a tear in the eye. 
and if there's an ongoing tear, that's the result of the ongoing fact that Klaishra are in Goddess. The ongoing brittle terror that comes as a result of that. And that's an ongoing source of the tear, which continues to fall. Because that means that there's a certain din, there's a certain level of punishment the Lord deserves. Ki'ilu, it's as if that, and that's an inability to be mashpia, where Hashem would want to be mashpia, because the, 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 the din determines the world doesn't deserve that. And therefore the hashpah falls into the tear. Now I'll okay, ask a question. We don't see the dayan, the one deciding is the one who has the tear. It's the one who's suffering, let's say. The one who's in pain, who's crying, who has the tear. What's the concept of the tear by the one who's suffering? That's what we said before. The nature of a person, the nature of a person who's atzev, withdraws into himself. And if in the same process, rather than looking to mashpia outwards, the person is focused and concentrated on his own feeling, and therefore the hashpah, which would have gone out from the eyes, rather forms something which remains in the eyes. But that's referring to crying as tears which come from tzar, tears which come from pain. The maestro we know that also tears of happiness. And how do you understand the nature of a tear of happiness? Happiness should be the opposite. We saw before, and happiness looks to express outwards. Happiness looks to connect and uh, involve other people. So why would there be a tear there too? The answer is, this is just to explain their idea. That's coming from an opposite extreme. And that is that a person to an extent isn't able to share as much as they want. When a person is that happy, then they want to share how much they feel. It's beyond what the other person necessarily is able to take. And then there also, there's a certain sign of a hashbar which can't be given, and therefore it forms a something separate, which falls. Falls from the eye. Either way around, the point in, in the pasuk over here is that There's an ongoing tear which comes from Betul Torah. The fact that there's less Torah means there's more of a din that the world doesn't deserve. And more of a din the world doesn't deserve means that there's a certain shepherd which could have come to the world and doesn't come to the world. It rolls down, it rolls, so to speak, away instead. And therefore we see the second effect that the person who isn't learning Torah causes, just like by the Chorban, that the din was that that's going to be an end of Hashpah to the Beis Mikdash, And rather than that Hashpah coming down here, it just forms a tear, which doesn't get transferred. There's a, there's a dimmer. Same thing over here. When a person who could learn Torah and doesn't, that's an ongoing tear. It's an ongoing source of the shefa which could come to the world, which is being prevented. Which is being prevented. And so, when we talk about the, the importance of learning Torah, on the side of what it causes, gets caused if we don't learn Torah, the first thing we see is, number one, the lack of chesed, and the fact that there's a certain din which prevents us, Hashem giving us what we meant to get, which is because of the isn't enough Torah, so to speak, to connect that level of ruchness, that level of awe, down to this world.